You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! My guest today is Dave Sharek. He's a resident of East Palestine, Ohio, the site of the Ohio train accident. Dave had a front row seat to the disaster itself, to the aftermath, to the environmental catastrophe that's happening there still to this day. Dave has had to split his family up so that his son could still continue to go to school. His wife and his daughters have had to move from Airbnbs to families to hotels, staying where they can. Dave was gracious enough to come on and provide insight into how one family is dealing with a disaster. I think it's a great conversation. I really appreciate Dave coming on. If you get a chance, check out his GoFundMe. If you're able to donate, please do so. Make sure you write wild and weird in there so Dave knows where you're coming from. Enjoy the episode. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Hi, welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and tonight my guest is Dave Sherrick, and he is a resident of East Palestine, and he is here to tell you all about how his, his life went from normal to upside down, but he didn't end up as the Prince of Bel-Air. He is out and about trying to salvage what was, uh, what was normal for him. Dave, welcome. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, anytime. Good to see so, you. Uh, it, it is. Dave and I used to work together. Uh, years ago now, we're, we're going 10 plus years ago, yeah, about but, 10. uh, through the magic of Facebook, we get to stay in contact that the purpose, I guess, of Facebook, yeah, the cat pictures and the family and seeing your son grow up and, you know, becoming a beast in football and wrestling and all these things. And, uh, you know, from afar, just being a, a fan of this kid turned into a little beast. And then all of a sudden, you know, I turn on the news on February 3rd and, you know, what's happening. Uh, we had the train derailment in East Palestine. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had just gotten in the door that night when when it happened. Never heard it at all, believe it or not. Um, and we live a little under six blocks away from it. I was in the kitchen. It was a typical Friday night. Melanie, she was in the living room, had the television turned up, doing laundry, hanging out with the kids. And uh, 
I was in the kitchen just grab, grabbing something to eat, had something on YouTube or whatever on my phone, never, never heard it at all. She says to me, she says, hey, something happened outside. There's all kinds of fire trucks going up through it. Okay, well, it's five degrees. Let me go outside and take a peek. I go out and look, nothing. I said, oh, it must be up the street, whatever it is. Went back in, finished what I finished eating and went outside again. And the whole sky was lit up like the gates of hell had opened up. Black smoke, orange sky, pretty much the worst kind of fire you ever wanted to imagine. What time is this happening? So it's nighttime, this right? 8.55 p.m. is when the, when the derailment happened. At that point, came back in the house. I told Mel, I said, I said it's pretty bad looking out there. I said, uh, let me see if I can't find out some more. And uh, my neighbor comes running across the street. He's kind of neighbor. He kind of knows everything that's, that's going on all around the place. And he tells me, he says, Dave, I'm telling you, it's all booze. He says, you go out behind my house, there's nothing but Modellos and Jack Daniels and Miller Lite laying all over the place. Raining down it, from the sky. It's a miracle. That's that's it. I said, well, I said, that's good that that's behind your place. But what's up there? He goes, oh, I don't know. But down the line, the other way is a bunch of tankers. I said, OK, well, what's on fire here? Tried to find out some more information. We found out it was five tanker cars of vinyl chloride, in addition to, I think, what, 16 or 18 other chemicals were in the line there. As far as uh, what was burning was the vinyl chloride. You began to smell it, taste it, still have the burn on the tip of my tongue, got a little disoriented from it. Sore How throat. fast are these symptoms happening to you from the initial crash to you being outside talking to your neighbor? I would say it was probably about an hour before the symptoms started. I had told Mel... I said, get the kids gathered up, pack some clothes and get out of here. I said, well, I'm going to find out. I'm going to watch the news and see if I can't find out a little more about this. And uh, she had a hard time getting out of the driveway only because everybody and their mother said, oh, there's a train crash. Let's get close enough to go see it. So it took her about 10, 15 minutes just to get out of the driveway. Once she did, she went to her friend's house about a mile away in the opposite direction. And that's when I found out it was it was all chemical by that time. And I called her. I told her it's chemical. Get out of here. Uh, and I was going to do the same. Went back in the house, made sure everything was shut down. I started to get a disoriented feeling. So once I got everything closed down, shut down that I wanted to have shut off for the night, I got in the car. I left, drove, what, 25, 30 miles to her grandmother's house is where we ended up staying at. Okay, let's just recap vinyl chloride real quick. So this train is on fire. There mm -hmm. are numerous tankers of vinyl chloride. And yes. this is what the Germans used during World War One as uh, chemical warfare. Yeah, yeah, that's what they made uh, mustard gas with. And uh, this is burning six blocks from your house. Burning six blocks from the house. You shut right. everything down. You know, like, like pilot lights. I'm sure, like things like that. Of anything that you know could possibly cause mm -hmm. a bigger fire. Is that you're worried about your house? Right. Yeah, you just, or, or, yeah, you just made sure hey, we figured out. Oh, well, they'll get it taken care of and come back tomorrow and deal with the aftermath or the next day or whatever. Obviously, there was some fume in the air. The only thing, I mean, I had a gas furnace, but I couldn't shut the furnace off, obviously, because it was five degrees that night. I had the gas furnace and the gas gas hot water tank. Other than that, I just made sure everything was unplugged, the electric, the electric was off, and we'll deal with the rest of that later as it comes. So the next morning, Jack had a robotics competition. It was supposed to be at East Palestine High School. All the reports on the news and through the EPA was that they're on the ground, the air's good, everything's fine. When we got to East Palestine High School, the whole town smelled of the chemical. So immediately, all that feeling came back with the taste and the disorientation and the sore throat. 
And we got in there, they were using the school as the shelter. So obviously the robotics competition was supposed to be where they were using the shelter. That was canceled, but that word never got out to anybody. So people were showing up and bringing their kids to the high school. We left and I said, well, I said, might as well just go to the house, grab some more clothes and get moving on down the road again. So I just grabbed the sweatshirt out of the house. He ended up grabbing a few things and we got out. I put a sweatshirt on. I ended up with a terrible itch just from the hooded sweatshirt on. And it was all the chemicals that had made it into the house, absorbed into the clothing, everything like that. So obviously, okay, I'm not going to wear this sweatshirt the rest of the day and put something else on. But And as soon as you changed out of it, it went away. It didn't leave a rash. It was just as it was on you, you could feel your skin itching from it. Yeah, you just felt felt the itch. Uh, I didn't really develop much of the rash. Uh, I don't think I was around it long enough to to have the rash. I did get a little bit under the eyes as far as that chemical dermatitis. But again, every time I get out of the area, take a shower or whatever, it, it goes away. But you do end up with some bumps or whatever under the eyes. And Sunday, I told her, I said, well, I said, got up Sunday morning, said, well, I said, maybe I should go out to the house, go check, see if we can't clean up something or whatever. I pulled into the house 930 Sunday morning. There's a state trooper on at my door telling me, you don't have to leave, but we at least want to get a head count here because something's going to happen and we don't know when, and it could be catastrophic. I said, that's all you needed to tell me. I said, I'm getting out of here. And I left for the day. Monday is when they did that controlled burn with the uh, fireball into the sky that looked like a mushroom club. Because once you burn that vinyl chloride, it turns into hydrogen chloride. When they had the press conference at noon, I had a pretty good idea we were going to see something like that mushroom cloud that they put in the sky. I just didn't realize the effect that it was going to have as far as what goes up must come down, obviously. And we had some pretty dry weather without rain that spread that pretty far over the air. As far as with that plume, mushroom cloud, whatever you want to call it, from the controlled burn, it was only supposed to be one car at first. That And that turned into five cars of vinyl chloride, in addition to possibly the 16 other chemicals that were either on the train, uh, what leaked out through the derailment, plus what got watered down from the fire truck tankers or whatever. They basically dug a 20-foot well in the ground, unlined and brought in, I guess, the National Guard or whatever to come in and drop charges in that to light it off. And uh, when they did that, obviously, you saw the big plume that went up into the air with the mushroom cloud. It looked like a hydrogen bomb. So I've seen pictures of that, and and the the burn cloud is just getting trapped underneath the regular clouds and spreading out underneath of it. Correct. Uh, And that spread out for a good 10 miles in each direction. When they were going to do the controlled burn, what was the evacuation area? Uh, it, was were, a, it was a one mile by two mile radius. So that uh, the, the two miles extended the evacuation area into Pennsylvania to Darlington Township, which is just over the state line. My house is by road. It's one mile from the state line. They use the term as the crow flies, 0.58 miles is is where the distance from ground zero to where my house was. And the state line is pretty much right there where the derailment was. Were people lined up to watch this controlled burn? Were you there for it or did you stay away? I was not. Actually, I've been working through this whole thing. So uh, pretty much eight to five. I'm nowhere to be found in that area. And Jack had a wrestling match in Canton that night. So I finished up work. 
avoided the area because I knew what they were doing. And I drove out to East Liverpool, Ohio and up the highway that way, which is probably 10, 15 miles away from East Palestine. So I drove north through the highway, picked it up and started on my way to Canton. I didn't see the blast until I got to Canton. So, and I watched it basically on the news, social media. I got my information every the same way everybody else did, avoided the area. So I know they evacuated people out to, I would say, probably a little over a mile outside of town would be, well, I don't even want to say outside of town, outside or away from ground zero. You get a little over one mile, you got the high school there. Uh, I think that's where a lot of people went. That's kind of where the media was. From what I gathered, they were in a football stadium watching it and uh, saw it burn off basically from right there. What time did the burnoff happen? Do you know? Uh, I want to say around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So okay. Th- Mel, Mel just corrected me. She said it was supposed to be at 3.30. They didn't burn it off till about 5 o'clock. Okay. So 5 p.m. They're, they're burning this. We have a mushroom cloud. It is dispersing underneath the regular cloud cover. It's not going as planned, apparently. What are, you, what are you thinking as you're watching this on the news? You, you have friends in the neighborhood, I assume, right? I mean, did everybody get oh, out? Yeah. Yeah, everybody got out. Uh, I mean, there there was people that chose to stay up until it got real serious. And when it got real serious, people got in their car. My neighbor, two doors up, didn't want to leave his house at all. Kind of wanted to stay, didn't know what to do. I know they got in their car and they drove around, waited until it was safe to go home. I think they stayed with family. Uh, the lady next door to me, single older lady, she works a lot of double shifts, midnights, things like that. She stayed the entire weekend until they forced her out. And as soon as they lifted that evacuation, she came back in. It's an old school town. A lot of people were raised there. Their grandparents, their great grandparents decided to live there, settle there. And there's, there's a lot of people in denial about what's happening to the town, and they want it to be just like it was before the derailment. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. If you listen to what they're saying and the scientists and the experts, you could be dealing with cancer clusters five years, 10 years down the line. Is that somewhere you want to put your kids to bed and have them come up to you at 25 or 23 years old and say, mom, dad, I have cancer? Really not something that you really want to do. I, I know I don't want to deal with it. Or I, I don't think I'd be able to handle that knowing that I brought them back into that situation. Where are you staying now? How far from East Palestine? Uh, we're about 20 miles away right now. Uh, we're staying at a hotel in Manaka near the Beaver Valley Mall. I don't know if you knew where that area was. I don't know about uh, Beaver, no. No, it's, it's, well, to put it in perspective of Pittsburgh, it's 30 minutes from downtown from the Fort Pitt Tunnels, 20 minutes from East Palestine, Ohio, maybe 25 minutes. And we bounce around. We're, we're in a hotel for a little while, an Airbnb. Uh, they go, we go back to her grandmother's house, which is eight miles up the road. It's, it's the girls, it's the dog, it's Mel and I all in a hotel room. Jack's staying with a family out near Columbiana where he goes to school. Ohio has school choice. He chose to go to a different high school than East Palestine for education and and athletics and everything. So he's staying with another family. We see him on the weekends or if he has a sporting event and kind of take him out, get him what he needs and send him on back. But we check in with him every day. He chose another school prior to all of this happening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He uh, he decided to start the school year out in a different school. Uh, a matter of fact, mid-July is when he made his choice. And it, it's really, it's a school 10 miles west. Were they in the fallout, out of the fallout? I can't guarantee that, that they were or they weren't because of the wind and all that. His school didn't close, so he had to be there. Couldn't just pull him out of school and let him miss or have us driving 
40, 50 miles back and forth every day to let him get where he needed to be. Your other kids, are they in the school district, the East Palestine school district? They are. They're in East Palestine school district. They're in the seventh grade. They are doing online school right now. Was that a choice they offered for everybody or is there any in-school learning? People going to class? Yeah, there are there are students that return to school and from talking with other kids at wrestling matches or whatever, whenever I would see them, I would ask, you know, how many kids were in the school or how many came back and how many didn't. And they said about thirty to forty percent did not come back, but sixty to seventy percent that did. And, but it's it's a real small school district. I want to say two hundred and twenty five kids in grades nine through twelve. So what, sixty, sixty per graduating class? Very small school. At what point after even just the train crash did you decide, I'm probably not going back until I get a lot more information? Well, we based everything off of the information that we were getting, and some of it became the the lack of information that was coming out. We kind as far as us, we wanted to know what was our levels of toxins before the crash. Uh, and obviously, nobody can really give a baseline as far as what's in the air because nobody ever tested the air. We wanted to know where the air quality was at either the height or during the three days that it, that the fire burned in the town versus where it went after the explosion and what number do we need to come to to come back down. Those numbers were never released as far as where they are. They all, Basically, they ended up, they, they got released, but we began to question the numbers more and more. Uh, they lifted the evacuation on Wednesday, which was two days after the burn. And when the, the evacuation got lifted, we went, well, Mel went back home actually and got into the house. She said, there's a terrible stink in there. She opened up all the doors and windows. That stink is still there, not to the extent that it was, but you can go into the house and still know that there's a chemical in there. The air quality, according to the EPA, is is good. Everything's fine, according to every three-letter and four-letter government agency. You have independent researchers that have come in, and whether it was Texas A&M, Carnegie Mellon, Purdue University, they've brought people in on the ground taking water samples, soil samples, air quality samples, and all of their numbers come back elevated almost every time. But yet the four-letter agency or three-letter agencies tell us everything's good. There's no reason you shouldn't be living in your house. And this is at every level. This is county, state, federal. Correct. They're all on the same page telling you that the, the tests are within, within reason. Right, right. And what's going on is US EPA is handling the air testing. The Ohio EPA is handling the water testing. And it doesn't matter which direction you go from East Palestine, north, south, east, or west. Each area, each direction has a different need. If you go south, there's a lot of creeks and streams that empty south, and those go into the Beaver Creek and later into the Ohio River. Uh, a lot of people were on well waters, well water down there. Uh, not, not a lot of Municipal water is plugged in all the way through that area. You have farm country. If you go north, you have a lot of farms. When the plume went up, the wind blew northwest, not northeast or southeast like it normally would. Again, you have farmers. They have wells, cattle. There's a horse farm, things like that. So you're worried about your livestock and things like that that are up there. And eventually, you have to worry about what's soaked into the soil. When they start cutting that hay down, what is that? What are your animals going to be eating? 
and how toxic is it? Let's start week one. The the train crash happens, and I'm seeing reports that 41,000 fish died. Yeah. It seemed to be a lot of aquatic minnows, tadpoles, frogs, and then fish of that nature. Right. Uh, and those the, were all just in the creeks and streams. Then there were reports coming out, uh, I think after the burn, I saw a news interview. I believe the gentleman had a fox farm, possibly, and then- uh, Yeah, of- yeah well, I, I don't know much about that guy. I'd never really seen him before, but uh, I, I guess he was kind of like a refuge for foxes would be my guess. I don't, I don't know all the details, but I know he had two, one or two that got sick. I can't guarantee that. From what I saw on the news and from the media, it looked like those things were in pretty bad shape beforehand, but I, I can't guarantee that. And I don't want to say yes or no on that. I don't know why I'm amazed because everything in 2023 is politics. Like, if you like the color black, then half the people like it and half the people don't. And it, it makes no sense. A, a train crash happens, chemical spill, there's this controlled burn, United States of America, it's Ohio, major waterways connecting all across the country. And it seems that the government just didn't care that much. It seems that it took a really long time for people who are in charge, who can make decisions, who can influence people to make decisions faster, just were not there for you. And what, what did you expect the government to do for you versus what, what the reality is? I don't know if we really expected the government to do much. We expected them to come in and take control of the situation, obviously. The information that was coming out to us in in the days and moments after the crash, our best information was coming to us from social media. Norfolk Southern was basically, they were running the show and they kind of still are to an extent. The EPA is ordering Norfolk Southern to to handle all aspects of the cleanup or they will find them triple. So the government will get paid. You see what I'm saying? So still take care of your mess, but don't really take care of the people out there. Eventually, I think this is all going to have to go through the courts, obviously, before anybody has to take care of the people and make them whole. The most they've really offered at first was the in-home air tests. Everybody's in-home air test was conducted by a contracted company from Norfolk Southern. The results seemed like everybody's came back at 0.1 parts per million. You have an air test that it may be right, it may not be. I don't know if I really expected the EPA to come in or even Ohio's EPA to come in and really make things right. I think we expected more from FEMA other than to set up a medical monitoring center. If you went through 9-11, and I understand that FEMA was on the ground there, taking care of the people on site in New York. Here we are 20 years later and FEMA says, oh, they don't deal with man-made disasters. 9-11 was kind of a man-made disaster too. You would expect FEMA to come in and do something. FEMA came in and grabbed a couple sandwiches at the mini mart up the road, said it had some nice little FEMA shirts on and they were gone. Uh, Same with Pete Buttigieg. He came in, spent a day, toured everything says these things happen a couple times a day. It's not a big deal. P. Buttigieg was gone. My favorite was them running cover 
oh, there's a train crash in Ohio and there's chemicals everywhere. And the mainstream media is coming out and like, well, actually there's three train crashes a day. And so you people even really shouldn't even care about this one. Instead of, right. you know, that got me even more, man. Like, why are there three trains? Like if three planes crashed a day in the United States, I feel like people would be really up in arms. But instead it's like, oh, exactly. well, another, another train crash. It's, it's fine. Yeah. And actually I, where Mel and I grew up at, Aliqu- well, near Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, I, she was 16, I was 18 and their US Airways flight 427 fell out of the sky. Right right up the road from us, from where we live. I would say the response to that plane crash and the information that got out in 1993 was far better than the information that came out during this derailment. And as far as getting information to the people, as far as what was going on in the area. And that amazes me that we're in the internet age. We've made so many technological advancements, but the information to the people has fallen that much. There definitely seems that there is a blockage of the information that was coming out when this first happened. And then I'm watching on the news and then seeing you on social media. And I'm like, oh, I I know a guy there. Like, I'm going to follow this even more. And I feel that information dried up so quickly. And the information that did come out was very lockstep that everything is okay. And it it seems that even in recent times that when everyone's all on board of no, 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 everything's okay. You should keep going. Like these are chemicals. You mentioned earlier, it's in the ground, the hay, the horses, what's going to happen when it's time to slaughter cattle, when you have to plow the field, where is this going? And everyone just seems like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And kick the can down the road. A new administration from state, local, federal will be in at some point. They're not going to take responsibility. Right. I feel like you guys are just getting left in, in the lurch. Uh, I, I still see there's still some independent journalist in the area uh, following yeah. up. Uh, and even that is, is I feel, drying up a little bit. A, a little bit. Uh, the one that's been there the most is Status Quo News. I don't know if you've followed them at all. Them and I think what News Nation was the other one that's still been around quite a bit. Beyond that, uh, everybody's gone. Pretty much every public figure, every piece of information, every interview that gets done, it's all done between the hours of nine and five. Obviously, the people that go to work every day and either return to their homes or come by in the evening, whether it's to get mail, attend a meeting, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a town informational session, anything like that, there's nobody around with the cameras to talk to those people. What you're getting, you, you definitely got people that are in town. They they live there. That that's their life. Either they work there, they're they're in there 24 hours a day. But there's a lot of people that that are out working or haven't even come back yet. That they're they're just fuming mad, and they they want a time frame, or they they want bought out um, of their house. I feel that if you don't want to return to your home and like us, we we have a mortgage. It's it's tough for us to figure out where we're going to go after this. We'd love to be bought out of our house and have the opportunity to get away. That option's not even on the table yet. And then even then, when we go to buy something else, our interest rate was under 4%, 3.5% at the time where we purchased the house. Now we're interest rate 7 8%. It, we it's would not think- fair. You guys are getting shafted here. Norfolk Southern is heading the investigation. They're they're close to the tip of the spear, if not the tip. Right. Did anybody come around to you door to door? Anybody in connection with them and offer any type of settlement, any type of sign here on this no. paper? Any no, just uh when they did that air test, uh and they, they got nailed on it. There was indemnification form that they tried to get you to sign that said you hold Norfolk Southern and their contractors harmless. 
people raised a fuss out of that and they had that wording changed. It was just something that they, they said it was a mistake and it's just a standard form that they send out anytime that they have to let any of their people into someone's home. I'm so, pretty sure I have to say allegedly before I say that's allegedly a slime ball move. And allegedly, yes, I can agree with you. <laughs> but yeah, and and it ended up in Ohio Senator J.D. Vance's hands at one time. And uh, immediately they pulled that form and they said, oh, no, that was a mistake. That wasn't our or wasn't what we wanted to put out there. So at that point, people began to call in the air testing into question, obviously. And that that's where everybody's getting the point one parts per million. My question on the air test, my, I got mine done 10 days after the initial derailment. So it was the Monday after we were actually allowed back in on Wednesday the 8th. So I would say the 13th. By that time, all the soot, everything that had settled in the house from the smoke blowing through had settled. So you come in with your air tester. Almost, It almost looks like one of those Geiger counters that they measure uh, radiation with. And they came in, they did that, but nothing went low. And these chemicals were heavier than the air itself. So you would think that they just dropped to the ground uh, at all levels of the house. But they stayed right around chest height when they did that air test. And it was a member, or uh, what was it, CTEH, which is the Center for Toxicology and Environmental Health. That was the subcontractor for Norfolk Southern. They brought in a member of the EPA with them and a local police officer. And that was who you had to sign off on to let into the house. They came in, did their little test. Nothing beeped or whatever. I don't know if the volume was turned down, even if it was turned on. Never Were got there batteries in there? We don't, you know, we don't even know. Exactly. So everybody got their little test, came back at 0.1 parts per minute. Uh, water testing, I'm on a municipal water. I'm following as they say. Uh, they say everything's good. And in time, it, it could get really bad. But they're monitoring that situation because where our wells are is right next to these uh, creeks like Leslie Run, Sulphur Run. Um, but Sulphur Run is the, the most contaminated of the bunch. And that goes right into our community park. Kids have soccer games, basketball. It's three doors down from us. Yeah, and it is three doors down from us as, as well. So even after they did the initial water test and they're saying, you know, the creeks are fine. And yes. then there's independent journalists filming floating fish and tadpoles. And then Correct. there was a uh, pretty popular Twitter video, I guess social media in general. But J.D. Vance was down there with uh, at a creek with a stick. And you could yes. just see the oil sheen just shimmering up as he's dragging it through. Mm -hmm. And you would see uh, it, it bubble right up, right? Some of the videos you might you might see on social media, it's hard to collaborate. Is that, you know, the Fox one we talked about, were they in great health beforehand? You know, who knows? This just seems just ludicrous, just crazy. Yeah. You know, hey, you guys can go swim in the stream or or drink or fish or whatever you, whatever people do. Let your kids go splash in there. Half the country probably doesn't care because he's on one side of the political aisle. And it's like, well, you know, that's just because he's doing it. Anybody right. can go down there with a stick, draw, you know, drag it through and watch this stuff just bubble up. It It is it's sickening. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. to just leave you guys out there. Uh, yeah. You expect and so much more, you know. So hey, if you're waiting for the government to save you, you, you you're already lost. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You do expect during a major disaster, you know, I don't know what what is under FEMA's umbrella. I assume they responded to all disasters that they had to go out and and help Americans. You, you know, uh, you know, nine eleven. Yeah, were they there? But like hurricanes, I know they come to uh, hurricanes, things of that major, nature, earthquakes, major tornadoes. Yeah, right. And they they're out there helping people. 
Right. And and to sit there and, and tell you they can't help is is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You think about where this train crash was, this derailment. And the waterways, like I said, they lead into the Ohio River. Now, with their cleanup, they're sending some of the toxic soil down to East Liverpool, Ohio. So that stuff is now, all that toxic soil is sitting on the banks of the Ohio River. If you really think about it, this stuff, it ends up somehow with a runoff or whatever into the river down there. This can contaminate many, many states all the way down to the Mississippi River. Uh, There had been reports, I think, as far down as Cincinnati into Kentucky, where they were shutting off their intakes from from the Ohio River because they either found some sort of toxin in their water or it was a precautionary measure. I know that they found it down in Weirton, West Virginia. I don't know how far down everything was found. Uh, So don't quote me on that, but. Like I said, all that a good portion of that soil is sitting right on the banks of the Ohio River. The effect that that could have long term in time if they don't do something with it is pretty catastrophic, not only just for our area, but the nation. Well, you have all the the groundwater that's already been contaminated that is just sweeping through across the state in any direction that happens to flow. You know, that's not going to get picked up. That's going to seep into wells far and away. The silt evaporation and then rain. Pittsburgh or somebody had like white stuff raining down yeah. on their car. Yeah. Uh, and and I drive a white car. I'll tell you what, when we got rain, I'd say, what was that? I think it took 18 days for us to actually have a weather event in February, which never happens. My car went from pretty much a uh, cream color off white to a black in the rain. And it never does that. It normally, it just washes right off. And I had washed it, I think once since the derailment. And then obviously when we got the rain after that, it turned black. And came off after after a good rain, but it, when you were just getting the spitting little showers or whatever you want to call it, white car turned black. Are you still seeing instances of that during rain? Not as much now. I, I think a, a good portion of that got washed into the soil, went in, went down into the uh, sewers and streams and everything like that. Uh, I don't think you get as much of that soot as you did now or as you did before. And for 18 days, that, that blew around pretty strongly. We'll say that because February is pretty windy. You can, get, you can catch weather from all different directions. Uh, the winds were strong. Who knows how far that stuff carried? I, I couldn't tell you with 100% certainty. It was, uh, it was pretty hardcore stuff. You said earlier you have dogs? We have one dog. one dog. One dog. Any side effects there? Or your uh, wife got he, out within an hour or so. When he goes to the house, uh, and we take him with us, at times, uh, he doesn't want to go outside. Uh, he's really lethargic in the house, won't touch his food bowl, anything like that. And then we've changed changed that out and still put the food in and there's put fresh food in, fresh water, bottled water too. But he won't even go near his food bowl when he's there, Won't doesn't want to go outside into, into the yard. And this dog used to love to go out there and chase everything that moved in the yard. So he he knows. He knows. He knows something's wrong. Uh, I've seen reports of people's pets getting sick. Him, he's been pretty much okay, but he's not there for long periods of time. I would say the longest we've ever been there, what, nine, 90 minutes is normally like where you really start feeling symptoms and you kind of take off from there. Probably not going back home until you get more information. You'd Correct. love to get you'd love to get bought out, Norfolk Southern or whoever to come through with some type of assistance for you know the residents of the town. Right. Seems bare minimum fair. 
your belongings? Have you packed up or is any of this stuff just completely it, done it, now? Still the way it's been. Um, from talking with my insurance company, the insurance company will cover the structure itself. So I will get a full biohazard cleaning of the structure once their remediation work is complete. The contents are a different issue um, because the fire didn't happen on my property. It got kicked up to environmental. Pretty much all of our clothes, furniture, mattresses, box springs, couches, you name it, area rugs, uh, unfinished wood surfaces like the underside of coffee tables, dining room tables, they've all soaked up that chemical. So they all have to go. Uh, And that's not going to be covered through the insurance company. What will be covered is a full, like I said, a full biohazard cleaning, the negative air where they they bring in the fans, blow everything out. Uh, they're going to have to probably take out drywall and plaster, redo all of that. Insulation, the furnace, uh, service on the furnace, ventilation, uh, hot water tank. Pretty much all, all of the major stuff in the house is the insurance company is going to take care of, uh, as well as a... They're not allowed to pressure wash the house. They have to actually bring in scaffolding and hand wash the house to make sure that that water doesn't go into the ground, cap off the gutters when they pressure wash and haul that water off site. Uh, It seems like they're taking every precaution, but then still, if the ground is dirty or saturated with chemicals. Right, right. And and that's the thing. Could could you ever plant a garden there when they start talking about dioxins and, uh, and things like that? dioxins are so microscopic you could put a tomato plant in or asparagus is the the example they use a lot of the time you grow your asparagus you take it in the house you eat it there could be dioxin in that which is a dna altering chemical and not only do you have it but you can pass that on to your children and your children can have birth defects from it down the line so it's a generational dna changer Right, but at least your house will be clean. They they would have hand washed it. Exactly, the house will be right. clean and taken care of. <laughs> yeah. What our, else do you want to touch on? Do you have any other insights? Well, our our plan is to hopefully get the house remediated, stick a for sale sign on it. Who knows what we're going to get out of it? We're gonna we're gonna try to have the kids relocated out of the area for the next school year. We don't know where we're going yet. Maybe west into Ohio. We may just get out of Ohio completely. Head down south. I have a lot of family down there in the North Carolina area, Virginia, down that way. Uh, that we're not sure of. We're going to actually take a little trip here in 12, well, what, Palm Sunday weekend into Easter. And we're going to go down there and explore a little bit and see what we find. So I hope you find something perfect for you. Yeah. If you ever yeah. come to Jersey, uh, I happen to know a, a realtor that can help you. Oh, yeah. See that? <laughs> and if you go to North Carolina, my brother's a realtor too. So yeah, I'm, I'm stuck here for many more years, but yeah. we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, if you're ever down in Wilmington, look them up. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. We can trade off. Absolutely. So yeah, as far as that, everything else, we're just trying to keep everything together as a family and still, like I said, we're there's four of us plus the dog in a little hotel room and getting by the best we can. It's a small, or not a small little hotel room, but good enough for us. Uh, the, the girls are bored out of their mind, obviously. You can only do so lay on a lay on a bed and watch so many TikTok videos in a day, as opposed to being with your friends or whatever. Then they may be friends that they may not see again, but they don't know. That's really tough, especially on the kids. You know, just yeah. getting uprooted, just getting over COVID, coming out of that, then getting uprooted now with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, and, and we had. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it seems like you're a magnet, possibly for disasters, with an airplane crashing down near you, and now. Uh, a train. <laughs> yeah. So stay away from space shuttles and ocean liners. Ocean liners. Yeah. You know what? I haven't been through a uh, 
Yeah, maybe maybe that when they build that Titanic two or whatever, maybe maybe I'll take yeah. a trip on that. Don't get the first ticket. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> All right, give me some good news. How's Jack doing at wrestling? Is beast mode? Uh, wrestling season's done. He placed uh, sixth in the section. Wasn't good enough to make it to the district, but he's a freshman, so I'm okay with the. Uh, I'm okay with sixth place. Three uh, more years of raining terror down on people. I'm absolutely. excited to see this. Absolutely, weightlifting and uh, weightlifting and beating people up. Let's hope he continues with it anyway. <laughs> All right, let's hit so, some of the good things. Uh, people can follow you on social media if they're not friends with you. They can get some updates maybe through Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty much that's uh, the only thing I really use, and I'm sure. You've seen some of my good stuff and my bad stuff, but uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. There's it's also, all good. yeah, you also have a GoFundMe. My sister in California started a GoFundMe. Um, if you go on to Go GoFundMe and search Ohio, maybe about ten or more down now, it's East Palestine family displaced by chemicals is what I think it says. Uh, you'll see a picture of the entire family there. Uh, we're out in front of our house, um, and it has the story of us and what we've been through and and uh that was the first house that all of us moved into together as a family uh we're we're obviously a split family but uh it's the first one where where we've all all five of us have been together in that makes it even harder that's um you know the first house it's tough uh but i'm gonna post uh, these links in the show notes so uh, anybody listening please go on there uh help dave out help his family out any way that you can uh make funny tiktok videos for his girls so they're not bored out of his mind uh, put wild and weird in the in the note for the GoFundMe so Dave knows where it's coming from. Dave, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, any updates? The door's always open. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Come share Perfect. anything you'd like. All right. Hey, thank you for having me on, Brian. Good to see yeah. you again. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Have a great night. You as well. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.